0: This is the Leapcast, where we talk about how today's current events impact your real life. If you are tired of politics or you are just exhausted from the spin, this show is for you. My name is Andrew Lieb, and every week I host a talk radio show breaking down the news from an independent point of view. We discuss real estate, business, and your health. Hear from the experts and learn the truth on the Leapcast.
1: Personal coach and trusted attorney, Andrew Lieb.
0: Happy birthday to you. Well, it's Ari's birthday. My son's turning two. Happy birthday. And so we had to sing to Ari. And I don't know if you have a two-year-old or you know, but Ari's favorite word is Ari. So what he does is whenever he wants something, he has an older brother. Sponsor has like candy. Ari will go, Ari, Ari, Ari. And then he tries to grab it. If you're sitting in a seat, he goes, Ari. And he pushes you How over. How does he pronounce the R? Just like that. Ari. He doesn't. Oh, you wanted to know if he was like he a pirate. It? You wanted to know if he was a pirate. Yeah. Ari.
2: <laughs> so, ar. <laughs> there we go. So, my two year old probably say, Ali. Like, he can't get to We're going to have to teach him because yeah. Ari oh, can sit him down and teach him.
0: They need to hang out. So we're, we have a birthday party this weekend, and we were going to do it on Saturday, but apparently my sister had to go to a different um, – baby shower this weekend she she was going to a baby shower um and so we had to move our party till today sunday after the leap cast and i um what happens at these baby showers lauren i don't even understand like a, ba- <laughs> like I, I i was watching one on I, tv I'm the other day i to
1: have a cynical answer to that
0: No, but like to describe, because all the guys out here, we don't understand. And Morty, I don't know about you, but these co-ed baby showers are the creepiest thing I've ever been invited to. I didn't
2: even know that existed.
0: Yeah, I wish they didn't. I've been invited to one or two of them and I'm still in electroshock therapy. But tell me about these things.
1: Well, you wear, the the pregnant person wears a very pretty dress that shows off her bump and then everybody It is important
0: to see the bump. Does everyone go
2: up there and touch it?
1: Uh, They like to touch it and they go, ooh, you're glowing.
0: Is that harassment
2: to touch the bump?
1: No, I think it's accepted culturally.
2: Oh. oh god, I don't know. I no, don't
0: please don't touch my stomach. Like I don't got a Buddha belly.
2: <laughs> I guess that's the uh, risk assumed. The risk of somebody who's holding a baby shower.
0: So I was telling my sister that she should tell the, her friend that uh, she's going to the shower for her, that. The girl should be very happy because the U.S. Congress is giving her a present. I don't know if you saw this. That they, <laughs> there's no uh, uh, there
2: is. Wait, they were at the shower.
0: No, no, no okay. but they they have a, a bill. Uh, I don't know. You didn't see this. That it already passed the House and it's going of the senate the pregnant workers fairness act so i told her to go tell her friend listen friend you don't need a shower you could keep working because there's a new law that it's hr 1065 and it passed the house in may 14th it's with the senate right now and morty i think this is a good present but better you know what Mm -hmm. she's why why not? First
1: off, tell me what it is, and I'll let you know if I think it's a good one. What
2: is it, Morty? So what it is is it provides certain reasonable accommodations to uh, pregnant employees. And what's really interesting about it is New York State already has a law that you have to accommodate um, pregnant employees, but it's limited to conditions that are related to pregnancy. Here, um, it applies to all... And it says known limitations related to pregnancy. So even if you have like a back problem or something like that, that could potentially be something that can be accommodated. What is... Whoa, 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 whoa. I I just got to point
0: it out because they're not done after they're pregnant because I'm reading the law too. And it says it also are limited based on childbirth. So I feel like you have a post-pregnancy window
2: as well because... That's
1: actually the worst post-pregnancy window.
2: Right. But my point is that it used to... In New York State... It's, it has to be an actual condition related to the pregnancy. Now, the normal if this law just passes being pregnant. Correct. Like okay. the the known limitations of being pregnant. So I assume I mean you would know better than me, but back problems. Is you don't have husband I, you don't <laughs> have husband pregnancy. <laughs> have you ever met these guys
0: that get the same feelings that what is uh, that called? Almost
1: psychological
0: uh, Oh yeah, they put on like a fat suit. It's weird, man. <laughs> no, so
1: I, I think I might have seen an episode of Grey's Anatomy or something where the man feels the pain of the woman who's pregnant. I don't know.
0: I don't get it. So anyway, there's this new law and I just want to read to you what it says to eliminate discrimination and promote women's workplace accommodations for workers whose ability to perform the functions of a job are limited by pregnancy, childbirth, Or a related medical condition. And this gal is going, my sister going to shower, so she should know her rights because when they touch her bump and and she might might have back problems, she might not be able to work, she might not be able to carry things. Tell us.
1: And, well, I'm going to say not everybody wants to sue their employer.
0: This doesn't say you sue your employer. This says you have a right to go to your employer and say, hey, employer, hey, employer, you know how you make everyone bring the water coolers? I'm pregnant. My doctor said I can't carry the water cooler. This is the type of thing that says, hey, hey, you know how – this is a good one, Lauren. Everyone has to be in the field for 10 hours a day. My doctor says I can't ride in the car for 10 hours anymore. I need to do six hours in the car and four hours at the office because I got to be able to
2: move around. What so, if
1: your entire job is? Well,
2: that's a great question. So normally for disability law, you only have to accommodate somebody to the extent that they can still perform what's known as the essential functions of your job. Okay. So for example, if you're, a, a, you're delivering packages and your disability does not al- permit you to um, carry packages, well... What type of accommodation can accommodate somebody who can't do the essential functions of their job? However, in this law, it actually says that you have to accommodate somebody even if they can't do the essential functions of their job on a temporary basis.
0: And they don't describe what a temporary basis means. Although there are- Pregnancy is temporary. There are regular- Well, it says, and childbirth. So how long could that be after the child? But anyway, I want to unwind and then we'll go forward because we're using words that I don't know everyone knows- so, let's go back to discrimination law. In the employment context, there's this discrimination law. And in the federal law, the EEOC is involved. And in the federal law, it's only applying to employers with 15 or more employer employees. But Morty's differentiation, he keeps going back to the state law, because when it comes to discrimination law, the most local and most protective law is the one that wins, meaning... The federal government can always add more laws, but they can't reduce the laws that the state gives you rights to. So it's a employee, it's an employee-centric law of rights for employees.
1: Okay, so while there's all this hype about people leaving New York to go to other states because of taxes and stuff, pregnant people need to start moving to New York for their rights. Yeah.
0: Well, uh, it depends because if this passes, Lauren, as Morio was saying, this has even more rights than the New York laws, which is interesting, which says that the New York law automatically then defers to the
2: federal one because the one with the most rights wins. But to your point, Lauren, the New York law applies to all employers regardless of the amount of employees. Um, the federal law like Andrew just said it has to be at least 15 employees for this to for this to uh, apply So if you have
0: one employee in New York New York still applies correct so but I just want to back up again and unwind and then we're going to go into it So when we talk about discrimination law, I really think that there's Multiple car- categories of discrimination law. There's what's called disparate treatment. Disparate treatment means treating people differently because they're protected characteristic. That would be like saying, you're disabled, you don't get raises. That's what disparate treatment means. Just, and well, because we're talking about a disability with being pregnant. One second, I just want to do this real quick and then you can go through all of them. The second thing is disparate impact. That means I have a neutral policy, but it has a discriminatory effect. The difference is disparate treatment means your employer is intentionally discriminating against you, illegal. Disparate impact means your employee is unintentionally discriminated against you also illegal. But we're not talking about that right now. We're talking about a third category of discrimination law that usually falls on the wayside that most people in the media don't get. In law, they get it. Like I'm teaching a CLE next week to the New York City Bar Association on condos and co-ops, and we're doing an entire hour I'm teaching on failure to accommodate, which is what we're talking about right now. Failure to accommodate means hey, you have your rules, you have your policies, you have your procedure at this business. But because of my specific situation, I need a change in those policies, procedures, for me to continue to equally enjoy and work at this place. So what we're talking about right now, and I just, and then you could go into everything you want to say, is someone's pregnant. Someone gave childbirth. Someone has a medical condition because of these things. And how is the policies about their job the rules about their jobs, the the protocol of their job, their job description. How is it that this health-related issue of being pregnant, having a baby, or related health issues, how is that going to impact the job, and can they get an exception or a change in the rules and policies? And that's what this whole law is about.
1: I'm just – sorry, I'm stuck on the essential job duties. So let's just say you work in an office – and there's a receptionist, and the receptionist job duties besides answering the phone is to carry files from one location to another location, and they're the only person in the office that does that, and they're saying, I can't carry the files because it's too heavy for me, and nobody else could do it. So who then assumes the responsibility of the job when that person who's pregnant who's saying that they can't do it?
2: Well, the way the law works is the employer would have to determine whether it would constitute what's known as an undue hardship, meaning we can't change the way we do things because it's going to affect the business in a dramatic, dramatic way. So to Morty's point, it says in the law except for undue hardships
0: on operations of business. That's the exception. So when you deal with other failure to accommodate laws, there's actually a multitude of different exceptions. This law only has one exception written down. And so the employer has to accommodate. It actually says there's five unlawful employment practices. Let me read them through. The first one is failure to accommodate, if it's a reasonable accommodation request, except if it's an undue hardship on operations of the business. The second one is failure to engage in what's called the interactive process, which in plain English means working it out between the employer and the employee. If you don't want to try and work it out, that's a violation in and of itself, which is interesting because sometimes it's not in failure to accommodate. Deny employment opportunity based on need to make accommodation. So I'm hiring someone. I see the bump in the stomach and I don't hire her because I feel like she's going to ask me for an accommodation. That's a violation require employee to take leave even if it's paid leave if another accommodation could be provided so if you come to me for an accommodation, I say, you know what just work from home and or don't work I'll pay you don't worry go stay home I'll pay you that's a violation because I didn't give you the accommodation taking adverse action based on you requesting the accommodation wait
1: you could offer To have somebody not work and you'll pay them?
0: No, no. Not offer, require. So when you say offer, that's the interactive process. Interactive process is working it out. I can always say to you, hey, instead of me giving you the accommodation, what do you say about me paying you and you just taking the time off? And if you say, okay, and we have it all written down with good lawyering and everything else, that would be fine. But look at it this way. If I say... You don't want to sit in the front desk anymore because you can't sit down that long and I need someone in front. You just work from – you don't work for the next six months and I'll just pay you. And what happens to you from not working for that time? You and I like to talk about Google's policy a lot. And Sure. Google
1: has an extensive um, maternity and paternity leave policy. They allow people to take a, a very large amount of time like off.
2: 20 weeks or something like that. I,
1: I, I don't know the exact amount right now, but it's a long time.
0: So we don't know that this happens at Google. So don't misunderstand <laughs> yeah. what I'm about to say. But there's a lot of studies that say that when someone doesn't have FaceTime with their boss and they don't come to work and they milk every aspect of a job benefits, the employer's less likely to give them raises and promotions. So even though I may be giving you to your question about paid leave when you're pregnant, I also might be promoting someone who's in my face the whole time. I also may be giving a raise to someone in my face during that time. And you may lose that work benefit, that ability to rise up the ladder, and you may never get it back. And imagine at three kids, you're talking about three years of seniority that you're losing when you're required to work at home. So back to your question, I can offer it. I can't require it.
1: Mm, Interesting.
0: So when you're talking about something like this, Lauren, and you're saying to yourself, hey, I, I am going to be pregnant. You may say to yourself, maybe I don't want to be pregnant. Maybe I want to use protection. Maybe I want to have an abortion. Maybe I don't want to go forward with a pregnancy. Why are you saying this? Because you're afraid that there's not going to be an accommodation at work and you need this money from your job. I'm just going full circle on why this law is very important. Whether you're for or against pro-life, pro-choice, I'm not even going there right now. But I'm telling you that when someone needs money and their job is giving them money, especially a single-parent household, a single-earner household, But even most of America can't function on a single earner household, and they need both jobs. And when the woman gets pregnant, and that could be a death sentence to her career. Does that make sense? That could be a death sentence to not just her promotions, not just her ability to get raises, but it could be catastrophic for her career because without this law, not in New York, because you said in New York, again, that they had a similar law, albeit a little different. Correct. But if you were living in a state that didn't have a law like this, and you got pregnant and your employer said, hey, you can't keep getting up from that front desk, that reception desk, to use your illustration again, and the employer says, I'm not accommodating. you breaking the policies. You broke the policy. You broke the policy. And you get fired or written up about that. Wouldn't that be a crippling effect on someone wanting to get pregnant? And when people don't want to get pregnant, don't we have less children? And when we have less children, don't we have an economic issue? Like they're having this in China right now. I don't know if you've been reading about this. When you have less growth in your population and you have a heavy – Japan had this issue before. You have a heavy older population, a much older population – isn't it disproportionate how much the younger population has to pay for the older population when the older population is not working? So from an economic standpoint, you really want a society. You really want to have a bigger, younger population than an older population. Because think about when you're in the nursing home, don't you want someone else to be able to – I want someone to change We're my – I'm just
1: plain in this country collecting Social Security.
0: So a big problem with our country – a big problem politically. Here's a big problem politically. Everyone only focuses on policies, how they affect them. So when I read a lot of discourse, we were talking in the first hour about social media, and I read these things on these groups, people talk about how good or bad different policies are. And I agree with a lot of what they say as far as it impacts me. So as an employer. I don't want to have to give someone an accommodation. I say to myself, to your prior question, if I give Jill, who's pregnant, an accommodation, and Jill, who's pregnant, no longer has to make as many sales calls, who has to make them? I do. And that's terrible.
1: Or you have to pay somebody else to make
0: them. 100%. However, if we don't have a solution... That enables someone like Jill to continue in the workforce and get pregnant. Less Jills will be in the workforce. If less Jills are in the workforce, there's less employment tax. If there's less employment tax and less production, our GDP goes down. If our GDP goes down, then the country's failing. You see how this – or Jill has to make the ultimate choice and just not have kids. And if she doesn't have kids, then we have that problem. Yes.
1: Okay. The moral of the story is that not everything is black and white. Everything in life is so complex. The economy is so complex. And one one policy could make a domino effect.
0: What's interesting is people believe in trickle-down economics. Now, the studies are against it. But let's assume that it works. Irrespective, there's trickle-down policy. That's the really better way to say it. We
1: were were talking about with universal pre-K before. If you provide universal pre-K and that means that more women can go back into the workforce and make more money, there's going to be an economic effect.
0: And again, I don't want to pay for a universal pre-K. I just want there to be universal pre-K. It's that dichotomy that like when you look at it from yourself, you don't want more taxes. If you ask any person, do you want to pay more taxes? Hard no. No one. Zero. Zero. The most socialist person I've ever met is going to say, why would I want to pay more taxes? But if you phrase the question with, do you want to have universal pre-K? Are you willing to pay for it? The answers change. The numbers change. And that's why we learn when you do studies. To remind you, I worked in public health and we drafted surveys. Your survey instrument can predict the result. And that's why you need a real person that's a real social scientist to have reverse questions in it. What that means is, You have control questions that show if the question itself, the way it was phrased, changes the answer. And that can get you somewhere. But anyway, let's loop back to where we are. Where we are is that there's a law that passed the House. It went to the Senate on May 14th. Right now, according to Scopus Labs, it has a 21% chance of being enacted. And I think 21%, one in five, is pretty significant. And I also think it's significant because of what this law does. This law makes across the United States a policy. I can't imagine anyone saying, I'm against a policy that allows people to both want to get pregnant and work. Imagine if I asked that question. Um, There's
1: people that are against policies that make people
0: not do much. Agree with that. But my point is, the way you asked the question, if you said, everyone for allowing more people to work and more people to have kids. No one would say no to that. They, Everyone wants more people to be able to work and more people to be able to have kids. Oh,
1: no, I'm sure some people don't like
0: All right. kids. Anyway, so the point <laughs> is that everyone's for it. This may not be the best solution to accomplish that policy goal. Does that make sense? I'm not saying having reasonable accommodations is the best policy. But you're not saying it is. And I'm going to tell you why neither of us know. Because this law says within two years of the enactment, of this law. The Equal Employment Opportunity Commission is going to issue regulations. If you remember, I've said this to you before. There's statutes. Statutes are what the House and the Senate create. These are the things like a board of directors would do. And then there's the details, the devils in the details. The EEOC is going to give us the details within two years, and they're going to give examples of what accommodations mean. So, I think it's quite possible that this is the worst law that was ever written. I think it's also quite possible that this is the best law that was ever written. But I can tell you one thing. You're never going to find out. We're never going to get to progress unless you support this law. Because all this law is saying is, how do we get more people to want to work? And how do we increase our GDP, our tax base? How do we increase pregnancies, which will increase more workers and a higher, younger population to help for the elderly? And then what you really should do if you're concerned about this law is focus on when the federal register puts out their proposed regulations, you should be commenting on that to make sure these regulations are balanced fairly between the employer and the employee. And we should fine tune through iterations of those regulations to get the maximum benefit for everyone. That's how policy is done.
1: I was going to say, and now you can breathe.
0: Well, no, I'm just very very passionate about it because I think 21% is exceedingly low of the odds of this passing. This should be 100% passed. There's no one that should be saying, hey, there shouldn't be a law to help pregnant people work.
2: It's just a, a no-brainer. Like, right, we're not saying they're going to stay home and we're going to pay them. We're yeah. making it so they can continue to work. That's
1: Which contributes to society for those people who want the wife not to work.
0: Well, it doesn't say the wife has to work. Just mm-hmm. so we're clear, this is saying a woman who wants to work... She has the choice. ...that gets pregnant is accommodated because she has limitations when she's pregnant, which just is a reality of life. And so... I think the key is that I would like to see the Liebcast pushing this. Right now, we're doing this. Mordechai Yankovic, the Chazaka, Lauren Lieb, Andrew Lieb, we're telling you, you got to call your senator. you got to call your congressman. you got to say, I support H.R. 1065. I support the Pregnant Workers Fairness Act because there's nothing bad about it. And if you're concerned... The Leapcast is going to tell you, after it passes, when the regs are in the Federal Register, and we're all going to comment to make sure these regs don't put too much onus on the employer. I'm an employer. I don't want to have to be the person bearing the brunt of this. But what we need is to stop looking at just me, 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 me. What we need is to stop thinking that our politicians are just addressing us, 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 us. Politicians in their truest sense are supposed to make the best decisions for the country as a whole not the individual we don't elect them for we the person we elect them for we the people this is the leapcast we'll be back next week have a good one find us on social media at listen to leap or visit listentoleap.com